0: Welcome to the Executive MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, we continue our ongoing spotlight on learning through the case method here at the Darden School of Business with a conversation with three members of our Executive MBA Class of 2024, Ebony Brown, Tessa Grubb, and Salah al In this conversation, I talk with Ebony, Tessa, and Salah about their decision to pursue an MBA, what led them to Darden, how they prepare for class, what it's like learning through the case method what it's like to participate in a case discussion, and so much more. If you're interested in learning more about the academic experience here at the Darden School, this conversation is highly recommended. So without further ado, here's my interview with Ebony Brown, Tessa Grubb, and Salah al Ebony, Tessa, Salah, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Yeah, excited. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, so excited for your class, here you are. Uh, quarter quarter four, um, got a weekend residency on the horizon. Ebony, how are you doing? How is everything?
1: Everything is good. Uh, quarter three was a challenge. Uh, so it's nice to be in quarter four, actually on the tail end of quarter four. Um, so it's I feel good.
0: Tessa, how are you doing?
2: i'm glad to be in quarter four quarter three was uh definitely a a big challenge and uh, i'm feeling like i'm i'm in the groove of quarter four and so excited for our last uh on-ground session uh, of quarter four
0: our listeners may be wondering why is quarter three keep coming up when we're talking about quarter four well quarter three students typically take finance and accounting at the same time, which for many of our students, that's a pretty challenging lineup. And quarter three is just a little bit shorter than the other quarters too. That's the other thing. So it's compressed, so you're doing a lot. So it's finance, accounting, and leadership communication. Uh, Here they are now now in quarter four, different lineup of of courses. Um, And so every quarter, every couple of months, you get new classes here. So it's one of the the benefits. Salah, how are you doing? I'm doing
3: well. I can't believe it is quarter four. I, I, feel, I feel like every single time I talk to people, it's like another weekend OGR has gone by, another quarter has gone by, and you start to lose track of time, um, both good and bad, I guess. We're enjoying it, but it's also kind of nuts.
0: Yeah, you're packing a lot in. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, you have 20 weekend residencies over the course of the program. Y'all are already, I guess, roughly seven weekend residencies into the program. I mean, that's amazing. Um, approaching the midpoint. And so I'm looking forward to the midpoint celebration, the mid-program celebration, which will be um, over the summer. So that's a great, great time. So um, we're going to talk about the case method and learning through the case method today. But Before we get there, I want our listeners just to learn a little bit more about you and your respective stories. So Tessa, uh, come to you first with this question. Tell us more about you. Who are you and what's your background?
2: Okay, Uh, so I am a software project manager um, right now. I spent my early career in education. So I was a a middle and high school teacher uh, on and off for about 20 years. Uh, My husband was active duty military, so we moved all over the world. Um, And I did a career shift back in 2014 into the it space which i've thoroughly enjoyed um and i decided to look at mba programs as i was um kind of in uh, at a midpoint of uh, of my career looking for more senior positions um and hoping to gain some more business side skills. I feel like I have a lot of soft skills and um, that type of background, but not as much exposure to the business side of things.
0: And Salah, tell us more about you. Who are you and what's your background?
3: Yeah, so I'm Salah, originally from New Zealand. Uh, I work as a manager in supply chain analytics at Nestle the food and beverage uh, company Uh, no we no longer make chocolate everybody asks me that question um uh but i i represent um the analytics side across all of uh usa um so that's who i support um how i ended up here um actually I've, i've you know started my education and career in new zealand i've worked in australia and I moved. I moved for love um, to the USA. So I moved uh, because my wife is American. Um, funny enough, she is a U- UVA alum. Um, she always says she had, uh, you know, a factor in terms of picking Darden. Um, but you know, as somebody who moves countries, um, getting an MBA was a no-brainer. Um, on one side, it's a good way to accelerate your education in business. But also it helps you, you know, acclimate to a new uh, business climate or environment. The U.S. operates very differently to where I'm from. Um, And I didn't really know anyone. So if you want to build a professional network really fast, what a great way to have 135 in one go. Uh, And that's, you know, know, people like Ebony and, and Tessa doing the
0: program with me. Excellent. All right, Ebony, coming to you, same question. Uh, tell us more about you. Who are you and what's your background?
1: Yeah, so born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Virginia came, became home in 2012. We just decided we wanted something new and we had never visited, so we sold everything and drove up and we never left. <laughs> yeah, um, so I spent a bulk of my professional journey as a scientist for a pharmaceutical uh, company. And then around 2011, 2012, I made the switch because I wanted to engage with humans. Um, as a scientist, you don't get a lot of that. So made the switch to um, a role that allowed me to do continuous improvement and just talk to people. Uh, So I've bounced around from continuous improvement to digital transformations at AARP to just before starting Darden at a startup where we focused on software integrations for the government. So here I am.
0: How did you get interested in pursuing an MBA?
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, being a scientist, there's more PhDs in MBA. So I wasn't really surrounded, but no matter which role I was in, I always felt that I can do more and I didn't know what more felt like. So just talking to people getting these relationships, I said, well, maybe an MBA is is where I need to be. There are definitely pieces of the business side. So what Tessa mentioned uh, that I was missing being a scientist, right? We don't really focus on accounting or finance. So there were some pieces that I really needed to dig deeper on. And I realized that the MBA was that path. And so I set forth and here I am.
0: Well, let's talk more about your experience thus far. You're in the first year of the program, as noted. You're in quarter four, the second half of quarter four. Um, Salah, what's been you know, what's been your experience here at Darden? Any adjustments for you? Where do I start? I mean, <laughs> as a foreigner, everything is an adjustment.
3: Um, I would say uh, the the probably the biggest adjustment which everybody feels is. Uh, What have we signed up for? Uh, An executive MBA program where you're a full-time student and a full-time employee, or if you're an entrepreneur, you have a full-time business um, you're running. Um, You know, coming into the program, I thought my time, time management skills was really good this really tests it. Um, and I think that has been probably the biggest adjustment. Um, and I'd say just managing your energy levels you know throughout the days throughout the week at, um, the weekend and especially in OGR you know Friday, Saturday Sunday, class after class after class um you know uh, that's that's a that's a big part and you know Darden feeds us very well which helps uh so we never go hungry for sure um so yeah so that that has been probably the biggest adjustment that time and energy management
0: yeah i'll say from the admissions end, it's the hardest thing to prepare students for because we could say a number but it sounds very abstract until you're in it you're going through the program you're figuring out how to make all these things work uh together and every Every week's a new week, every day, maybe a new day, every quarter is its own challenge, as we talked about moving from quarter three to quarter four. Um, So, you know, you're constantly improvising, you're constantly figuring out uh, what works for you and and your family and all the other stakeholders in your life. So, um, Ebony, how about how about for you? How's your first year going? What have been the adjustments for you?
1: Yeah, same, um, as Salah. It's been more managing time. I think for executives, we have, you know, this growing career. We have families. We have extracurricular activities. And then we bring Darton into the pitch and we're like, what is happening? I remember our first residency in Charlottesville. We like everybody's a stranger, right? My hands are sweating. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> but here I am sitting in a room with other people who are just as nervous as I am. Uh, But just figuring out how to manage that, taking the darn experience and making it your own, because not every experience is going to be for everybody, right? Like some people want to get, you know, the highest grade possible and some people want to focus on relationships. So just trying to understand what you want your experience to be and then managing that throughout the weeks.
0: I love that advice, you know, making, being very clear about your goals, what you want to get out of this and really putting your energy to the last point, putting your energy towards those goals. it's very, very important when you have a limited amount of time and a lot going on. So Tessa, how about for you? Uh, What's been the adjustment for you here in your first year?
2: Yeah, it's. It has definitely been a, a change going back to school. I think, you know, many of us have been out of school for some time. Uh, I know there are a few folks who have been through a lot of postgraduate education, but uh, but not everybody. And so adding, um, you know, adding a an MBA program on top of your regular life, um, you know, I think most most people in the program are have full time employment. Many have. Families um, that they are, you know, actively engaged in managing in one way or another. And for me, um, you know, I think adding on to the layers of, you know, my my busy life already. Um, you really have to take into account where are you in your life? Is this a good time um, for you to work twenty one months of uh, pretty you know focused intentional learning into what's already going on in your life and um so and and I really like the point um that Ebony made you know deciding what you want to get out of the MBA program is really important and understanding how much of your effort are you going to put into building relationships with your fellow classmates how much time are you going to devote to really digesting and making meaningful learning experiences for yourself, uh, because those are are both uh, very important and competing for your time, and uh, so just being real clear about your priorities and being able to set boundaries for yourself um, has has really been an important um, Thing, I think for for many of uh, of us here on the call and for the class, you know, the wider class.
0: Well, since you've all talked about time, I want to stick with this for at least uh, another question or so. I'm um, just to talk about what's been your approach to your schoolwork here in this first uh, first year. You know, how have you managed this? Do you do a lot on just a couple days? Do you spread it out over the course of the week? Um, How have you managed your time to make sure you're prepared for class? Um, So, Ebony, can I come to you first with this question?
1: Sure, sure. So, I will tell you my approach has shifted from quarter one to quarter four. Quarter one, I tried to do it all. I tried to do something every day. And then over time, I felt myself losing energy for the other things in my life. So, I am a mommy and a wife. And so there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And I, you know, they're huge supporters and I couldn't let them down. So that meant it was less time for me to do things like sleep and eat. Uh, so I had to figure that balance out because all things were important. Um, so what I do now, thankfully, I have an amazing learning team. Um, So learning team, one, huge shout out. We've come up with a process where we divide and conquer the caseload. So everybody gets assigned. We take one or two cases and, you know, go through the reading, do a high level uh, overview of it, and then answer the facilitating questions. Then we meet once a week to kind of go through those. On the weeks where we have on-ground residencies like this week, we'll meet on typical days that we would have uh, our virtual classes. So this week we'll meet twice uh, because those times are already geared towards Darton anyway. So that's been a big help for managing time. Instead of you feeling like you have to do it all, you really lean into that learning team um, and, you know, use their expertise to help you get through some of that.
0: So for folks who are one in learning teams a five to six person team that's assigned to every student in, in any of our programs. So honestly, full-time MBA, part-time MBA, executive MBA students, all assigned a learning team. And for executive MBA students, we announce the learning teams typically a couple of weeks prior to the start of the school year to give you a chance to get to know each other before LR1 because you will have class uh, during, during LR1. Um, Tessa, what's been your approach uh, to managing your time here in the first year of the program?
2: Yeah, I think like Ebony, my... My tactics have shifted a little bit, um, and they shift quarter to quarter based on the complexity of the material, my comfort level with the topic in general, and uh, you know, understanding that maybe some of the quantitative classes might require a little more preparation on, on my end, at least. Um, so depending on how that workload uh, is is kind of, you know, for that particular quarter. I do try to spread out my studying throughout the week. I don't always succeed as well as I would like to. Um, and I'm sure Salah will will touch on the, you know, sometimes we get to a point where you just, you you have to pick and choose what you're going to study beforehand. You know, sometimes you'll sneak a quick read of a case in the morning at breakfast or at lunchtime if you are behind um but uh, you know again it's that prioritizing your life your school your all all those other priorities in your life and um you know making making those decisions about how you can best handle the material and so for me I do try to kind of space it out I try to get things done on the early side of the window. I don't always succeed at that. I'm kind of a serial procrastinator. I've tried to like really um, prevent myself from doing that by being a little more mindful about, you know, about my studies, which works sometimes and doesn't work other times.
0: All right. well, I appreciate everything that's been shared thus far. I mean, for our listeners, yes, this will continue to evolve. and it will continue to evolve for these folks. Well past quarter four. I just did an interview with a student who's in quarter 10. He's still refining his approach to time management. And that is the last quarter of this program. So um Salah, uh, how about you? What's been your approach to time management?
3: Um no, like you can't have one plan and no plan is the same. Um I liked what both Ebony and Tessa touched on. Uh You know, plans have shifted from when we started in LR1 to now quarter four. Every quarter you tackle it um, differently. Um, For me personally, every week has been different. You know, originally I started out with, you know, like for example, you know, Monday nights and Wednesday nights are like my study night because this class on Tuesday and Thursday. But then things happen and you just, you have to constantly adapt and figure it out. Um, I'd say if there are two pieces Of advice I give anybody be super flexible and give yourself a lot of grace you don't have to have done everything and it doesn't have to be perfect um I think the 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 type of people who are in that program they all well accomplished they all want to do extremely well at school they all want to you know uh push their careers and look after their families and stuff like that and so naturally they just want to do it all. Um, but it's okay, like not having read the case fully, read it enough to be engaged, um, rely on other people's notes. Um, both Tessa and I um are on the tutoring committee. So sometimes people just join a tutoring session and within one hour they have it you know covered or enough to be part of the conversation. I it really comes down to the person. What they have going on. I mean, people have had kids, um, you know, straight in the program, promotions, change jobs, bought homes. Like it's, it's a, it's always a dynamic lifestyle. So I think the approach needs to be dynamic. And, and the biggest part, I would say be flexible and give yourself a lot of grace. Um, and learning team helps. Mine is fantastic. So shout out to learning team four because <laughs> they, they don't want me to forget them as well
2: i'll have to give a shout out to my learning team too who i i adore uh, and that's learning team six uh, i don't don't want to uh, let, let uh, everybody else get a shout out and uh, i don't do my part <laughs>
0: appreciate that learning team one four and six all represented here uh, on this conversation i want to transition to talk about how you are learning here at Darden, because I think that's also part of the adjustment for students. Most people are much more used to the lecture didactic. The faculty member walks in, maybe got some PowerPoint slides, going to talk to you about what you need to know. Maybe read a textbook. Somebody asks you to kind of regurgitate things on an exam. That is not the learning experience here at Darden. You are learning through the case method. And so, Tessa, I I wonder, how do you explain uh, this learning experience to people who are curious about your Darden experience, maybe heard something about the case method, don't know much about it, and just want to know more. How do you explain it?
2: So for me, the case method is um, a couple of things. One is exposing yourself to material before you meet with a subject matter expert, your professor about that material. And that really does throw some people off that you have to do some work to try to understand to engage with your learning team and really do some thought and attempt to really grasp the material and come to class ready to engage about the material, not to have the professor fill your mind full of interesting facts. Uh, So the, the case method really is, you know, struggle, 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 try it, and then go and engage and get your professor's input as well as input from your 60 some odd other classmates in your section and come to a much better understanding um, having brought in rich experiences from both the professor and our peers.
0: Well, what do you, Highlight uh, about this learning experience when folks ask you, what's the case method all about?
2: Yeah, so uh,
3: um, I cheated a little bit. I was actually exposed to the case mes- method the first year of undergrad in New Zealand. Um, I participated in the management consulting club that uses the case method and they use cases, you know, written by um, numerous business schools. Um, so I knew about it, and, I, and it was very like very different, which was very intriguing. But I, at the time, I always knew it as just something that maybe like a student club used. I never thought about it as something that this is a way of learning. So when I discovered that Darden did it, it was it was a no brainer um, uh, to join. Uh, you know, to join the school. Um, Basically, the case method is—you know—it could range from, you know, as short as like three to five pages to as long as thirty pages, uh, capturing, you know, an organization or a business that is going through a, a, a pivotal a pivotal moment through their um, their organization. You know, it could be they're transforming or they're. Selling a portion of their business or they're entering a new market. And so the content in the case itself could lever, you know, leverage financial information or historical information and timeline and, and decision making. And what makes it fascinating is because you've got exact students in the class who come from different backgrounds, different companies, different functions, different geographies. You're going to have 60 odd you know, or if you talk to the other section, 130 plus different opinions about what's going on. Um, And so compared to a lecture where, like Tessa said, a subject matter expert teaching you that content, you actually have 130 plus the professor giving you different perspectives of that specific situation. Um, And depending on the person's background I've heard so many people referencing their current companies or uh, past companies or what they're working on that was more enriching than the case itself but what the case um, does it, it triggers it So really what I found for me is I come at the case based on my uh, my skill set and my my like my strengths. And that ends up being what I contribute to the class. And I keep, you know, my ears open and engaged to hear other people's perspectives that are not necessarily uh, my skill set. Like, for example, marketing or, um, uh, you know, if it's like in the medical field, um, that that's where
0: I feel like
3: it increases my knowledge um, uh, around the case.
0: Ebony, how about you? Uh, How do you explain the case method or what would you want to highlight about this learning experience for folks who don't know too much about it?
1: Yeah. So adding to what both Tessa and Salah mentioned, you can think of it as having this professor, but also just a facilitator. They're not there to teach you. Uh, You're actually learning from your colleagues. So even if it's a profession or an industry that you're familiar with, perhaps your experience is different from another persons like so you're able to just sit in this classroom with these 60 70 people and just hear just different thoughts or how they thought it would be and then you're able to just have these back and forth conversations with the professor there as a facilitator um it's kind of interesting because instead of having someone at the head of the class talking to you and like you say the powerpoint it's like this experience, what we're about to learn is going to be totally different than like even section B. Um, so from section to section, it differs because the class itself differs. So that's what I would highlight. Like it's just an opportunity to learn from the people that you sit with every day.
0: And so I really appreciate your points. I think for executive MBA students, you know, the, one of the great benefits of the program is, and this is true for any Darton student, it's just the mix of people in the classroom, right? The where they're coming from, what they've seen, what they've experienced thus far. The case method creates, as noted here, just tremendous opportunity for that to come into the conversation to shape uh, your own own learning. People ask us all the time, how do how does the case method stay current? How do how does the cases stay current? And Like, well, the faculty are constantly writing new cases but your classmates are bringing tons of stuff with them into the classroom. They're seeing it every day at their their company. So um, what's it been like, uh, Salah, to learn more quantitative courses? We get a lot of questions about, you do accounting through the case method, this kind of thing. Um, What would you want to share?
3: Yeah, so um, I come from an accounting and finance uh, background. So the quantitative uh, part was, you know, for me easier to understand than everyone else what was fascinating was transforming what i already know in the case method and then help my fellow classmates understand it who don't necessarily come from an accounting and finance background but i'll tell you like i said i'm a foreigner the us does things very differently even in accounting so it has been a learning for me uh you know from us gap to you know how they report certain things or what are certain things uh prioritized or even like there's some taxes involved in in the decision making it's also very different so even though i came from a quantitative background doesn't necessarily mean i knew how to solve um um the the problems uh straight away but the thing that I really liked about Jordan is you have somebody who's an expert in that field or who is an accountant or comes from finance that you can always lean on, but it's just people's just openness to just give it a go and, and try. And, We've had many situations, whether it's within the learning team, connecting with other people, or like I said, the tutoring sessions or study sessions, we start to compare notes. You know, it's like, how did you approach that problem? Oh, I didn't think about this. How do you take that assumption into play? Um, and also the best part is, you know, your professors are with you all the time, not just inside class, but outside class as well during lunches and breakfasts so you so they're super approachable to ask them these types of questions you know just as a clarification and even during breaks uh you know in between like a, a back-to-back class um i found that you have so many different avenues to learn from and it it's it all takes just one question and the next thing other people overhears and everybody benefits in the process so that's how i found it you know, with the quantitative side, this is the best way to learn. Just give it a go.
0: Ebony, uh, for you, what's it been like learning things like accounting, decision analysis, uh, these more quantitative courses to the case method?
1: Yeah, so I am the opposite of Salah. I did not have a background in accounting and finance. So for me, um, it was a bit more challenging. I was one of the ones leaning on the Salahs um, in the classroom to You know, break it down, like tell me what you're saying, but break it down to a level where it's just normal every day to day life. And then I was able to grasp it. Um, And as Salah mentioned, if there were additional questions, you can reach out to the professors. Like, it's not like they're not there, they want to see you succeed. Um, So sometimes just Breaking things down in a, in a format that's easier to understand from a person. I mean, you would think science is quant, but no, accounting and finance was not part of the scientific field. So it's been interesting. And people may wonder, like, how do you take a quant class through the case methodology? Um, but it's really simple. I mean, because again, you're having these conversations and you're able to to make real day to day connections with it, so it makes it super easy to understand. I'm not saying it's not going to be challenging. You will have your challenges, but at least you're able to understand and appreciate the why behind it and how it impacts businesses and like the global scene. Um, so it's been it's been interesting, um, fun, and challenging at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think it was mentioned before, but the case, it's a story, it has a protagonist. It sets up typically a decision that has to be made. And so what you're discussing in class is, well, what decision should we make and why? So it's this managerial lens. I think sometimes people think about things like accounting and finance, and they think, oh, gosh, it's going to be super technical. I think the faculty, as I've heard them talk about it, yes, there's a technical component to it, but they're always trying to pull students back, think about the big picture of the decision uh, that's here. Um, Tessa, what would you want to highlight about learning? Uh, these more quantitative topics through the case method.
2: So, so one of the things I was going to touch on was just just that the idea from the case method, uh, understanding that you know accounting and finance and decision analysis doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? You might know, I mean, some people might be really good at running a spreadsheet or uh, you know the, the the what to put in what cell. It, <laughs> and you know how to debit and credit things in an accounting in books. But that's not the focus of what we're doing here. Um, the case method is used because accounting and finance and decision analysis and all of those quantitative classes exist in context. And the only way that we use the that are useful is in application. And so being able to use those skills to solve a real world problem or provide some insight to uh, your executives. Um, Those are the questions that we're asking in the case method. And we're using those specific examples to find our way to potential solutions to those problems. And um, also, as you mentioned, Brett, the the focus is not so much on the mechanics of finance and the mechanics of accounting, it is on how those tools are applied in business situations, what information can we get out of those and um, really the intuition and high level understanding from Uh, somebody who might use those resources to inform your decisions rather than in, you know, trying to get us to a subject matter expertise position.
3: And and I want to add one thing, you know, I know we always talk about quantitative classes are being like challenging. That's true if you're not from a quantitative background, but the qualitative classes are equally as hard if you come from a quantitative background, because you're so used to things being very black and white. And there's been so many situations where it's like a dilemma, right? And it's always sits in the gray space. So you know, it's it's not just the quant classes that are, are
0: are challenging. Yeah, I appreciate that people always ask us about quantitative courses and we do try to remind them in the core, you will have quantitative as well as qualitative courses. So far, y'all taking leading organizations, the leadership communication, i mean i was around on a saturday a sunday uh, when y'all were doing a simulation everybody broken up into different teams having to meet essentially with the ceo of a healthcare company played by professor lily powell but nevertheless uh, this is really cool to see and um did not seem easy is is what i was uh, picking up from folks so um quickly i'm here i'm, I'm curious um, Ebony. do you have a favorite case that you've read so far a discussion that you particularly enjoyed i think people always enjoy stories. So I wonder if there's something that jumps out from your first few quarters here.
1: Yeah, actually, the one that sticks out the most is the Trader Joe's one. Um, (laughs) Because it was so close to home, like we've all been to at least one Trader Joe's or at least heard about it, right? But then to read a case about how it got to where it is and kind of their strategy around maintaining that that customer focus. I thought it was really interesting and it made me think about Trader Joe's a little bit differently. So that was my favorite so far.
0: That's, I know it can be hard to pick one, one case, but is there a conversation or a case that you've read here in the first few quarters that jumps out to you?
2: Boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, there have just been really interesting cases, I think around every corner. I'm, <laughs> uh, i I was really intrigued by some readings that we've done on uh, Uber. So looking at some of the organizational challenges that Uber faced um, in terms of its leadership and the changes that they've had to make in order to um, really create a better corporate culture. Uh, So that, that has been, I think, some some really interesting conversation generated from from that case, for sure.
0: And if our listeners uh, have noticed, you have both talked about two very different companies thus far. So one of the benefits of the case method, of course, is that you're getting to learn about lots of different industries, lots of different uh, companies as well. Salah, is there a favorite case or discussion you particularly enjoy?
3: Yeah, so for me, it was actually Dan Murphy's classes about the Federal Reserve um, and the decisions it was making during the COVID pandemic. I mean, you're talking about keeping cases very relevant. Uh, it was like, you're seeing things in real time and then you're discussing it in 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 class. And my favorite part, which is happening right now in uh, um, GEM2, which is the economics class, we talk about cases and then the professor will bring articles from what's happening in the headlines to connect back uh what we've learned in that class in terms of what's happening in 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 day-to-day that is just that for me is unbelievable because you're you are getting both the real world view plus the academic view at this like simultaneously and at the same time so what the federal reserve was doing during the past couple of years During COVID pandemic, that's been my favorite discussion.
0: All right, as we wrap up here, gonna do a little bit of a lightning round, sort of final advice for our listeners, things that you would encourage them to keep in mind as they approach the academic experience here at Darden as as executive MBA students. Tessa, uh, what's something you would share?
2: For me, I think it's, um, you know, really fully engaging in the experience Getting to know your classmates and um, exposing yourself to and being open to that breadth of other people's experiences and ideas.
0: All right, Salah, piece of advice for our listeners
3: have fun. This is going to be like the best two years, and probably the most tiring two years and stressful two years, but. I mean, like I said, right at the beginning of our call, I can't believe it's already quarter four. I mean, it's it goes by really quick. And it, it is, I mean, when you have people like Ebony and Tessa in the program, it, it, it makes the program like, you know, super enjoyable. So, yeah, enjoy it and
1: have fun through the program.
0: All right, Ebony, you get the last word here. Piece of advice for the listeners?
1: Yeah, I would say be yourself. There's so much that you can bring um, to the court and to the case discussions when you're just authentically yourself. Um, You're going to meet a lot of people that are different. So let all the differences come together. Don't try to be multiple people. Just bring your whole self and enjoy the experience.
0: Well, Ebony, Tessa, Salah, so appreciate your coming on the podcast to talk about your learning experience here at Darden, share your stories. Uh, with our listeners and so excited for y'all here to be a, you know, close to the conclusion of quarter four. And you know what? LR2 and graduation will be here before you know it. So um, congratulations. Thank
1: you. For <laughs> Thank us. you. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Matt. And that was my interview with three members of our executive MBA class of 2024, Ebony Brown, Tessa Grubb, and Salah Al-Chanadi. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast. We're all ears. We can be reached at exact. That's E X E C N B A at dark. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.